Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Hello there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another After 9. How does this sound compared to yesterday? I feel like my throat my throat's a lot better. <laughs> I think it is improving, which is good. I um, I don't want to tell anybody how to run their life. I'm not a doctor, full disclosure. But I really think we should put scotch in the pharmaceutical section because that will do wonders for your throat. If you got a sore throat, you get some good Glenlivet in you. Better. Is that why you feel like you feel better or did you have a bottle of it? I, There's a fine line, right? There's a fine it's like line, right? You're supposed to take a, just a little bit, but... Uh, are, are we medicating or having a good time? Yeah, a little bit of everything, right? We, uh, we have a lot to get to in this episode of After 9, but it's not going to be a typical episode because today's a day when the Bank of Canada is making an interest rate announcement. And as we record, it's about 15 minutes away from when the announcement comes down. Everybody's expecting them to keep the rates the same. Nobody's expecting them to raise it, but nobody's expecting them to lower it. So this puts homeowners and people looking for a home in an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. So we brought in a guest. Because he's a professional, and we we don't know don't know what much of what we're talking about, so we brought in Tony Johal. Hey, hey Tony. Guys. Hey guys, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Love your show. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you. We are glad you're here. Thank you. It's a day and a time, I think, when people are thinking about real estate. They are wondering with the rates the way they are, and this is unprecedented. I mean, the way the rates went up in less than two years has been shocking to a lot of people. First off. What is the situation on the ground? How many people are underwater on their mortgage now that you talk to? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people over the past probably three years that would not pay the price that they paid for their home then. Now, Mm -hmm. Um, it is difficult for many people. Uh, You know, like people are having to take on the extra shifts. They are having to take on a side hustle just to try to make ends meet. They are having to rent out a basement that they were hoping would be their in a man cave rec room type of area at some point they've now had to uh, make changes in their life to just try to make that extra little bit of money it's tough out there for a lot of people there's no question how many people are doing things like renting out a room in their home or they converted their basement into a short-term rental just to try and get some money to try and be able to pay their own mortgage absolutely i mean there's a lot of that without question most of them all say are done illegally but i mean people are doing, <laughs> people are doing anything they can just to get an extra couple of bucks here and it's just like i think people have to understand when landlords are renting out extra couple of rooms and stuff within their houses, not to get rich. It's just to stay above water. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's exactly it. And that's what a lot of people are dealing with right now. When we mentioned yesterday, we mentioned you were going to be on the podcast and we thought, okay, if you have any questions, let us know. And uh, we got quite a few DMS from people who are in the exact same position that we figured there are. I mean, you would talk to anybody right now and they're struggling and it's okay to talk about it because I think there's a lot of people that are in the same boat. Um, So we do have some questions. We are going to unpack a bunch of things with you because I think it's just the tip of the iceberg talking about the interest rates. There's a lot going on right now. Absolutely. Um, 
Can I start with the DM that I got? Yeah. Scott, is that okay? Go for it. Um, Alyssa is a longtime listener, and Alyssa is considering moving to the States. Now, she's originally from the States, so all of that is is not hard for her to do. But specifically, she wants to know what would be involved when selling your current home to acquiring a property. And now she's looking for the U.S. So if you have any specifics on that, great. But I mean, just in general, what fees, taxes are associated with that when you leave Canada and you're going and you're planning to leave to another country, which some people are planning to do. Well, I think for in this case here for for Melissa or Alyssa, 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 yeah. for Alyssa, it's definitely a lot easier because she has that U.S. Uh, citizenship already. She's from there. The transition will be so much more easier. So, you know what, it's, a, it's no different, honestly, than if somebody is hypothetically moving town or province. You know, if somebody is moving fr- away from here, they have to know where they're going. Um, you know, depending where she's going, she should be researching, is there enough inventory? Mm-hmm. Are they in a heated market? What are the financial qualifiers out there? I think the one thing that people don't realize about the U.S. is once they get a rate, that rate is fixed for 25 to 30 years. They don't have to renew their mortgages every five years. Oh, wow. Just like in Canada, we do. So every five years, that's the longest you can push it out. In the U.S., if you've got a sweetheart rate, you've got that for the life. Wow. Yeah. And that doesn't matter if you move. Correct. Yeah. You can move yeah. it with you, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. So wow, interesting. Cool. Now, that said, there, the interest rates are not pretty either, though. Yeah. No, they're not. It's yeah. definitely tough out there. But the one thing, Kat, their real estate is so much well compared to us yeah Canada is drastically overpriced yeah. I saw something online yesterday on social media where it was showing Niagara Falls Canada Niagara Falls in the U.S. and the price differential mm-hmm. over a 20 minute difference is just staggering you're talking three times the price in Canada for wow. a smaller house than what you would get in the U.S. so a lot of people say we were in a housing bubble people bought when prices were really high and eventually it's going to burst and if you bought a a $2 million home, eventually that house could be worth a million and you're a million underwater. Do you really think that was a bubble or do you think we're going to get back even close to where those prices were, say, two years ago in the spring? I think we, we were definitely in a bubble. There's no question. Just the way that the prices were going up and the over asking price, it was almost like 300000 above the asking price. Was, was that it? Right. So, I mean, it became the norm. It became a scary time, but it doesn't mean the bubble's going to burst. It's just probably going to deflate. I think when people think the bubble's going to burst, they think they're going to be they're going to lose like a million dollars on their house. They bought it for two. They sell it for one. I don't believe that's the case. And certainly we don't have the statistics to show that that is that things are going that way. Um, you know, the person that bought for two, they may end up selling for 1.8, 1.7. They're, they're definitely going to they're, they're going to lose money on it mm-hmm. if they sell in the short term. But if they're looking at something, you know, three, four years out from now, I do think the, ma- the market will definitely balance itself back out. The market did in basically 18 months what it normally would have done in five or six years. Right. Okay. I think there's a big difference, too, because we talked in the podcast a lot about the amount of condos that are popping up. I mm-hmm. mean, everywhere. Now we're broadcasting right now the podcast from the Waterloo region, and I can tell you there's a ton of them going up. How does that impact the future uh, look of the market? Do you think that, that the, we're making the right choice in putting up all these condos? Like, where do you see it going because oh, of that, though? The million-dollar question. I know. I, love I this know. Question. And I always tell Tony when we talk to Tony, you don't have a crystal ball. We totally mm-hmm. understand that. But I am curious your opinion, and, and as you talk to other realtors especially, because I feel like there's going to be a point where there's so many condos, and you're right, it'll balance out and things will be good. Does that mean we're going to see condos eventually? Maybe it's going to take 5, 10 years condos being like $100,000 because they're like a dime a dozen, but trying to get that f- detached family home 
that's going to be the ticket for a lot of people, and and that, those prices are going to be escalated. For sure. I think there's definitely an imbalance here. We have way more condos. We have way more upcoming projects. We have way more condos set to close in the coming years, and we have detached homes. There's no question. There's certainly an imbalance. You know, as far as condos, you know, like continuing to be desirable, I think it really comes down to price point. A lot of people will change how they live, and they will change ultimately their family dynamics based on where they're going to be living. I think the one thing we have to keep in mind is, you know, like families are getting smaller. Not everybody's having kids. Not everybody's having, you know, like three, four kids and a dog and a white picket fence. Things are changing. And I think a lot of people are going with that minimalistic type of lifestyle where they want the ability to be able to just lock up their condo and be able to travel for a little while. Because for many people, they can work from home. So I think it is going to definitely be changing. But as far as immigration coming into this country... A lot of those, a lot of the people who are coming from countries uh, that are high immigrant countries coming into Canada, a lot of those people don't quite have that minimalistic outlook that perhaps that we do. They are looking for, you know, the great Canadian dream. They are looking for a house in the suburbs and things like that. So I think it really is dependent on the, the immigration. And I think the government, to be perfectly honest, uses immigration like a thermostat, just like they're doing with interest rates. There's too many houses being built. Let's open up the, uh, the the immigration here. But I think in this case here, there's not enough houses, but they've left immigration open. So now people just can't find somewhere mm-hmm. to go. And it's creating a real problem. So let me tell you my theory. This mm-hmm. is what I see happening because we're in such a rush. All these people making decisions to approve or not approve various projects. He didn't want to say people. <laughs> they, I didn't, I'm doing this because, well... I- Normally, guys, this podcast is completely uncensored and, and it will continue to be uncensored. But with Tony here, I don't know, maybe Tony's got clients. He's like, hey, listen to my interview. And I don't want to be swearing all over no, the podcast. No, so drop the F-bomb. Man. It's, uh, okay. My clients are legit. This is what I see happening. We've rushed to build all these houses and commit to this number of units and that number of units. And some of these units will get finished and people will move in. They'll have a nice condo. Some of them won't get finished because builders can't even finish them. They're out of money or they're not selling or interest rates are too high for them. But I think eventually, not that far from now, we're going to end up in a situation where I can walk down King Street and and see a condo I like on a Monday, put it in an offer the same day and move in on a Friday. There's going to be so many of them and they're eventually going to be really, really cheap. Yeah, Kat, I see a day when you're going to get a condo for 100 to 150 grand. Which is a crazy thought right now, mm. but it's true as you, as you look into the future, right? But I think because we're so short-sighted and because we're not looking at who's coming here, which are a lot of families, a lot of these immigrant families are four people or more. They, they've got a bit of money and they don't want a condo. They don't want to live on the 15th floor and have to go down to the lobby to pick up their Uber Eats orders and shit. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's there going it is. to- There he did it. Because, I did, there's one. <laughs> I was waiting. I think that because we're going so crazy on condos that and, and ignoring single family homes, ignoring townhouses, ignoring uh, those areas that have a yard, a little bit of space for the dog and the kids to play. I think the price on those is going to go even worse than it was. I think you're going to see a situation in two, three, four, five years where the house that used to sell for a million but did sell for 1.5 is going to sell for two because we're just not building enough small or detached homes for families. I agree. I mean, there's definitely a need. Um, you know, when, when you start looking online, you, it's so much easier to find a three-bedroom or a two-bedroom home than it is a four- or five-bedroom home. 
but people have the need for four or five bedroom homes too. The, the issue I think a lot of people are having is this. When somebody's got a four or five bedroom home, typically it's a larger home and those are a lot more expensive. And, you know, when somebody's selling hypothetically a home for 600000 it's it's probably a bridge too far from the, to, for, for them to hit that million dollar mark. So I, I think it's there's definitely going to be a big um, probably, I guess, leaning on immigration to come and fill out those homes and things like that. But I, I agree with you. We're definitely short in that department. What are we going to do with all the seniors? You know, I'm thinking about my own mom. She's yeah. an empty nester and she's got a three bedroom house with a two car driveway. She doesn't need that, but her problem is she could sell, and she's thought a few times about selling, cashing out the equity in her house, and just going to somewhere that she can retire. Yeah. We're also not building any retirement communities, and old people do not want condos. I'll tell any mayor who's listening to this pod, you're not going to take my senior citizen mom and stick her in a condo. She has no interest in it. She wants a little bit of land. She wants something modest. She would take a trailer park home. Mm -hmm. She wants like modular, something like that. But there's no places for older people to go to get out of all these houses that are just sitting there not selling. I agree. You know what? I think the one big gap in the market right now is the modular home side of things. Yeah. Because we're getting more calls today on modular homes than we've ever, ever gotten before. And it's not just people downsizing, you know, seniors. It's also people looking to get into the market as well Mm -hmm. because they do see it as a much more affordable option. You know, I... You know, it's it's kind of funny. A few years ago, they came out with these tiny house things, right? Yeah. They haven't really taken off the way that I think people have expected. I think the cost of construction is high. There are certain requirements that have to be met for these tiny houses. And I think that was looked at as a potential outlet uh, for, for, for many people. But um, that's certainly not solved the senior problems, definitely not sorted the housing problem at all. Mm-hmm. Well, Modular is the way to go. I actually like the tiny homes. Have you seen these, cats? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I know people who have like say, hey, that I, I kind of want to do it, but they, ha- they haven't done it or, or even looked into it, but they think it's a good idea. And yeah. not everybody's got the right property to have one. Yeah. But I mean, if you've got a, even a halfway to decent backyard, you can build one of these tiny houses, fairly inexpensive. And no, maybe it's not to rent out or something like that. Maybe it just becomes an extra living room when the market cools down. But- It's great for in-laws, it's great for seniors, and it's great for kids. Absolutely. I got two kids in university, and when they're done university, I feel bad for them. I'm telling them, get the hell out of here. You don't want them in your house. That's right. You'll never (laughs) afford a home in Canada. Go to the tiny house. Yeah. 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 Or I can build a shack in the backyard for them to live in. And I'm thinking, maybe that's the better option. Instead of dropping money on a condo, and I mean, now they're still asking three, four, five, six hundred thousand for these things. I think they will eventually become a lot cheaper. I think people who buy now are overpaying, personally. That's just me. I don't know. Maybe you feel differently, Tony. But when you can get a tiny home built on your property for 30 grand, why wouldn't you? And it's got all the amenities of home. It's just little. Yeah, no, for sure. Condos are definitely expensive right now because a lot of the condo developments that are happening right now and the ones that have happened over the past couple of years, a lot of them have had to pay contractors, subcontractors. for. They've had to pay premium for lumber, materials, and all that kind of stuff. And things have been indefinitely, uh, it's definitely been hard to acquire. And of course, you pay a premium on that, which is now going to get passed along to the eventual purchaser. Um, You know, as things hopefully start to, you know, as we get more access to lumber, material, raw raw materials, perhaps the cost of overall construction will go down, but it is tough out there. There are builders and developers out there that have changed how they're doing things. Before, they were a little bit more easy with, okay, you know what, Um, we would like you to have your financing sorted out ahead of time. And if you didn't, you know what, they would let it slide. Now they're saying we cannot sell you a condo unless you've got 
a pre-approval in place or a commitment to buy this place. One of the other things I've heard a lot of is people that are agreeing to buy a home at a certain price. And then when it comes time to actually close the deal, the builders are saying, well, instead of 300,000, it's going to be 380,000 now. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Totally. What are people doing? Like, how do they come up with an extra 80 grand that they didn't expect to spend? A lot of, well, I, I mean, they, 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 they refinance another property, they borrow money, they scrimp and they save, and they kind of like jump into money that they weren't expecting to, to kind of part with. Uh, it is tough out there. The one thing that I will tell every single person that's looking at new construction is have your lawyer review the documents mm-hmm. and outline what exactly you can anticipate on the closing costs because they are dramatically higher. Yeah. than if somebody's buying just a standard house. And yeah, thing. I think it surprises a lot of people, which always surprises me because I feel like we definitely have to do our due diligence. Everybody 100%. does. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about right now, end of October, right? We know that the, the weather's going to start to change here uh, in Canada, and I'll specifically talk about, you know, Ontario. And there are some people who've had their houses up for sale, clearly not using Tony Joe Hall. Uh, but no, it's been up <laughs> which for... Which is crazy, which by is the insane. way. Which is insane. Um, but but the, the sign's been sitting there for months. Yeah. So I'm wondering a couple of things. For, for anyone who's listening that that's happening to, you're not alone. There's a lot of people in that boat. In fact, in my neighborhood alone, I'm seeing the, the same. I'm like, oh, no, are they going to have to drop the price again? Like, I feel bad. I feel bad for them. I really sure. do because they just want out. They need out. Maybe it's an interest rate thing. Maybe it's a job thing, whatever it is. But they want out badly. So they keep the sign up. If you have the flexibility to not do that, what would your recommendation be for people who truly have tried and tried, aside from maybe looking into a new realtor, but do they take the sign down and just wait for spring if they can do that? Is it best to keep it up and drop the price? What are some tactics that people can use to try to just either sell that house or do they say, screw it, let's put it back up in the spring? Well, I, I think it really depends on their their motivation. If somebody really needs to sell right now and they're probably two, three months away from losing their house to the bank, then spring really isn't an option. Mm-hmm. Spring's a great option if you don't need to sell and if you can weather the storm because for the next uh, few months, November, December, January, February, we're probably going to be looking at a bit more of a buyer's market. There's no question. Houses are going to be sitting, buyers are going to be a bit more sparse, and so buyers that are in the market can probably get a better deal. Now, come springtime, it's probably going to be switched around. We're probably talking about a potential interest rate drop uh, but even if it doesn't, spring market does generally lift activity. Now, for that person who's on the market right now and they really have to sell, to be perfectly honest, 600 homes sold over the past uh, few weeks on the Kitchener-Waterloo Associ- Association of Realtors. So homes are definitely selling. There's no question. It's just a matter of just trying to get that pricing right. A lot of people are chasing yesterday's price. Right. That's the problem. Being realistic is probably key there, right? Hundred percent. I would say get the strategy right. Buyers love houses that show well. Just make sure like it shows well. That that must be one of the difficulties for you as a realtor too, because people get very attached to their homes. They take it personal. It's a very personal thing for, and understandably, some people have been in their homes for many years. They've watched their families grow up in these homes. So that personal attachment, like, how do you deal with it? I'm curious as as realtors. Because you have to, obviously, we're always respectful to those people who, sure. who think that their home is worth 1.5 when you know, like, dude, you're not getting more than, than yeah. one one if you're lucky, you know. How do you deal with that, especially when it is such a personal thing for a lot of people? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, really it comes down to the data, right? So don't blame me, blame the data right. type of thing. So what we would do is we would just pull up the data live in front of that person and just show them what's going on they would eventually draw their own conclusion. Then at that point, I would then just kind of tie it into a a price range. 
Um, the, the nice thing about being able to pull up the data is as attached as somebody is to their house, they can always look at another house and see, look, this thing is fully upgraded, whereas mine does need some work. And they kind of get to that point themselves. Mm -hmm. The hardest conversation I have to have with people is when telling them, look, you got to take down the religious emblems. You got to pack away the booze. You got to like uh, kind of start making this. You got to start decluttering, depersonalizing because then people start taking it personally, especially when you start going about Okay, you got to take down the religious emblems. You know, like people start taking it really, really right, personally. Right. Really? Does that yeah. make a difference? You walk totally. in and you see a, yeah. a star of David, for example. Yeah. People don't like that sort of stuff. It, it's, you know, I think it, it comes down to the amount of it. You know, like wow. some, some places I walk mm -hmm. into and I feel like I've walked into a cathedral. Uh, but there's other places I've walked into. It's just like one or two, like you've got to cross that kind of thing. That's fine. I think it has to be done. You know, it really... When you walk in, I always try to coach my clients. You ha the next buyer has to see themselves living here, and they can't see themselves living here if they have to look through all of your personal stuff. Yeah, I don't think that'll ever change. Like, even when I think back to when I've house hunted before, I, if I can't see myself in it, I just can't see myself in it. So as, as annoying as it is for people to hear stuff like that, I'm sure. I, I say annoying, but, you know, and, and it's, people are sensitive to it. I get it. And you think, oh, vanilla, I got to paint these walls that I painted bright yellow. Why? Yeah. <laughs> you have, you truly have to make sure that you put yourself in that position of anyone who walks through that door could see their own self reflected on those walls, right? Absolutely. So I think that there's, I think that's never going to go away. Do you? It, it never is. I mean, people are always going to be tied emotionally to their house and you're always going to be kind of wrestling. How do you tell somebody who, you know, like uh, who's selling a house and, you know, maybe their spouse passed away. And they've got pictures of their spouse everywhere. You have to tell them, look, it's, I know it's personal. I know it's tough. I know you're grieving right now. But we have to take these things down right now because the next person cannot see themselves living in your house if they have right. to see through your grief. So it is definitely uh, tough in many cases. But I think it's, it, it's all about the delivery. And if you tell them, look, you're going to have to pack it away anyways. And we're not asking you to throw it out. We're asking you just to put it away so it can find a place in your next house. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the delivery. Once you once you kind of commit to that, then it becomes easier. Who's buying houses now? Right With now, these rates, who yeah. the hell is buying houses? Like you just said, they're moving on the market. Yeah. Who? Well, I think, uh, you know, the rates are high, but because the rates are high, the prices are lower. There's no question. So I think people who are looking at it, so I, I, I think, first of all, I'm going to back up a little bit. The, the people who are really afraid of the rates right now are the people who were getting into the market in 2016, 17 onwards, right? They're looking at, you know, 6 7% rates, and they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But if you talk to somebody that actually went through the 90s, they're like, holy shit, this is a deal right now. Like, I was paying 18 19% back in the 90s. So for them, they're looking at this and still seeing it be below the overall 30-year average. Um, so it's about perspective. And the, uh, the other thing that we try to remind people is this. The lower the rates go, the higher the prices go. And the higher the prices go, usually it's consequential to the rates. And so, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want a low rate and you want to pay a high price? There were so many people running around during the pandemic that had a 1.9% pre-approval interest rate, but they couldn't get a house because they're one of 55 offers. So, I mean, what good is this? really good rate if you can't get a freaking house. Mm -hmm. So the one thing I always tell people is, look, try to secure the real estate at a slightly more reasonable price. Yes, you'll have to pay a premium in your interest rate, but you have to, ha you have to know that over the coming years, the rates are going to come down. At that point, you can refinance and you're going to be refinancing at a much cheaper asset versus paying a pie in the sky price. Right.
Is it investors snapping up houses to do rentals and stuff? I mean, if you've got money, this has got to be a great time for you. you can, Absolutely. you got your pick of the litter of houses, no bidding wars, really. For you sure. can just buy houses strategically and either sell them off in a few months or rent them out. Uh, is absolutely. there a market for that right now? 100%. I mean, uh, we're still looked at as a prime rental market because our rents are so high. And, you know, we're, we're almost like a... We're, we're living in our own ecosystem in Waterloo Region. Um, you know, there, there is a big influence from Toronto. People live in, uh, sorry, people work there and they need the 401. But to be perfectly honest, we have enough going on in town right now that we can perhaps survive on our own. We have the universities. We have tech. We have industry. We have entrepreneurship. We have a lot of different reasons why people can kind of live, work, and play in Waterloo Region and never have to leave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Uh, I got a question actually on that note um, mm. of who's buying right now. I did actually get a DM from someone and not everyone's in this position, but they have a chunk of money. Uh, I didn't, I don't know where it came from, but they have a chunk of, I don't know if they just like came upon it, but that happens in life, right? Sometimes, I'll check the crime blotter. Sometimes, Hang on. sometimes I found a, a prince in yeah. Indonesia is That's related right. to you and you get the money. No, I, I don't know how they came across it or if they saved up for it. <laughs> I got that email too. <laughs> I should have responded should've. to it. I thought they, it was spam. But essentially, I had a sugar daddy that wanted to give me like seven fifty a week. It was you great. Should have done it. All I had to do was give him my time. That's great. Oh, but, awesome. I mean, the, it's still smart to invest in real estate. I think that you would agree with that, and that's mm-hmm. what they were thinking. But the question that they were asking was. Um, do they invest in a second property? And maybe that means do they get their own cottage and rent it out, or they get a second property and they rent it out. Or do they put it into the mortgage if they still have mortgage payments? What would you say is the, is the smartest choice right now? Paying down your mortgage is always the sensible choice. It's not always the most wealth building avenue to go. Um, you know, you do have a, a fair chunk of time to pay off the mortgage and you are paying it off slowly every single month. So what I would say is if you do have this chunk of money and ultimately wealth building is your future goal, I would say you've got to you've got to invest it in real estate. We we've got to stop looking at the current state of the economy, the st- current interest rates and things like that, and think that the world this is it. You know, like two three years ago, we weren't talking about this kind of world. Mm-hmm. Two three years from now, we're not going to be talking about this world. Things will always change, but the one thing that stays constant: people will always need a house. Yeah. So if yeah. you always uh, invest in real estate, you will always have somebody who's going to live there. Is the market going to go absolutely? bonkers when they lower interest rates even a half point in the spring because we know they're going to have to people are almost broke we've got an entire country that's almost insolvent at this point Mm -hmm. and when they do inevitably cut interest rates does that mean it's just going to be a giant free-for-all and every house in the market's going to sell in 24 hours i don't think it's going to be quite as much as that because uh i i think we're only going to get that type of a shift if they have a dramatic drop. But I can see them doing almost like what they what they called a soft landing. So wherever the rates are, they'll probably duck it by a quarter percent. Um, you know, so I do think you are, spring market is definitely going to bring about more activity. It is going to get us multiple offers. Um, it's not going to be, I don't think we're going to be at that 30, 40 offer property market regularly. 
How are your colleagues doing? How are realtors doing? I mean, I know you're very successful. You're selling a home every 27 hours in this market, which is huge. But how about the other ones that, you know, for a while there, it was the Wild West. They were making money hand over fist. Deals were falling into their lap, multiple offers, hundreds of thousands over asking. But now things have slowed down. Are people starting to look for other jobs? Are they worried? How is the state of the realtor industry? Well, it's definitely um, it's definitely taking taking a hit. There's no question. The average realtor is making less than uh, I, I believe it's forty thousand dollars a year. Really, the average realtor on the Toronto real estate board is selling between one to three homes a year. Even if you do the math on that, you can't make the numbers work unless they have a spouse that's making decent coin. You just won't be able to make the numbers work. It's it's. It's a shifted market, but I don't mind this market too much because this is the type of market that when people are hiring a realtor, they're basing it on credentials. They're basing it on who is this person versus an obligation to a family member who just kind of rolled off the the licensing assembly line. We've heard those horror stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, so I do think that people need to be, especially when they're transacting their biggest financial asset probably in their life, they do need to take... I mean, think about this. Many people were hiring their realtor, doing less due diligence on that realtor's background than what they were doing for, to the restaurant they went to last night. At least yeah. they had the wherewithal to Google if the place is good. I mean, do the same for the agent who you're hiring. Just make sure it's uh, somebody that actually has been through this market. The other thing is, too, a lot of these realtors out there, I'm not shitting on the industry. I love this industry. This is what's made me. Um, but what I'm trying to say is this. A lot of people who have been licensed in the last five, six, seven years have never seen this type of market that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. All they've ever lived through is a bullish market with no conditions and deals kind of falling into your laps and stuff yeah. like that. I remember 2007, eight, nine. I remember we had the hustle and deals falling through, appraisals falling short, banks pulling out. You know, these were these were tougher times, but I do think it's given us the experience to pass on to our clients. Experience matters. 100%. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. I've been building up to this for about 27 minutes now. I'm going to ask you the million-dollar question before yeah. we get to a bit of a Halloween theme because Kat's got some questions about <laughs> dead I'm, people that used I'm to be morbid. in homes and shit. It's- I'm morbid. Suck it up. Fox. So before we get to the the weird series of questioning, (laughs) the million dollar question, somebody sitting at home right now, their rates have gone up like 50%. Their their $2,000 payments now $3,600 a month. They don't know what to do. Maybe they can hang on. Maybe they're going underwater. Maybe they're borrowing from their line of credit. Is now a good time to sell? Will it be a better time to sell in the spring? And if they can hang on, even if it's barely, like maybe they got to cut some other ends and stuff, would it be make more sense to hang on for the long term? Basically, what I want to know is for the people who are stuck, who are getting screwed by their bank, what do they do now? Should they be looking at selling and moving somewhere else or find a way to make it work? For sure. Um, if, if you're managing your payments and if you're not, you know, like if it's not killing you, then I would say stay, stay where you're at. Uh, kind of ride the storm. You, I would... I would think that you've probably been through the worst of it, which is the incline, constant high, high, high. Um, so I would say if you, if you can weather the storm, weather it. If you cannot and you're about a month or two away from losing your house to the bank, sell it, right? Because it may take a little bit of time to sell your house too. 
or find that, an Asian, Indonesian prince. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. How does it work, by the way, a foreclosure? Yeah. Because it's amazing to me. I know it's happening. Yeah. Bankers know it's happening. Nobody in the media is talking about it. I think it should be on the news every day. 55 Absolutely. more people had their homes foreclosed on yesterday. Yeah. 100 people lost their homes yesterday. This should be headline news across the country, but our government is is complicit in this and they don't want that sort of shit out there because they know how bad it looks for them but it is the reality when you find out shit i can't afford my mortgage anymore or the bank is going to take my home Mm -hmm. can you like maybe hire somebody like you and say i gotta sell this home in the next 48 hours and i'll take whatever i can get for it because Mm -hmm. whatever i can get for it is still better than the bank just taking it or should you just throw your keys on the table at the bank and say i'm out and leave I think uh, most banks at this point are still, they still want to make things work with you. They don't necessarily want the keys back to the property. So what I would say is this, if you're very, very close to the edge and about to lose your house, I would hire a realtor right away, connect with the banker, copy me on the email, let them know, look, we, we understand we're in a pickle, we're planning on selling the house. The bank quite often will give you a little bit of time to, to be able to do that because they know that you are taking steps to do that. Okay. Yep. One more thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody's buying a house tomorrow. Yep. Should they? Best guess, because again, you don't have a crystal ball. Variable or fixed? What, what would you do mm, if you were buying a home tomorrow? Big question. What I, would you do? That's a that's a good question. What would I do? I would do fixed at this point. You're getting a really? better rate, and I would do fixed for. I, I certainly wouldn't do a five year term. I would do a short term. I would do maybe one or two years. Uh, because I do think the variable will catch, uh, will will drop again to the fixed number, and if not below, in the coming years. Okay, Cat wants to ask you some questions about dead people. <laughs> let's, let's do it. <laughs> It's well, listen. The sixth sense of listen. The, what happens with I us see is dead when it's, because Scott and I are are on the radio, we get all these like press releases, and this is the time of year they just bombard us with all this like Halloween yeah. stuff, right? But sometimes it's interesting, and I think we should actually speak with a professional about this because yeah. I'm curious. And one of those things that's brought up that we've talked about numerous times is haunted houses. Yeah. Okay, so bear with me here, everybody. Everybody, I swear to God, she's with not me. crazy. I Tony. swear, uh, <laughs> it's a popular topic. It, my my daughter keeps saying, "When's Cat going to talk about haunted houses?" See, oh, she heard your see Scott, week. I'm popular with children. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I am curious though if if you believe, have you run into that scenario before? By the way, either dealing with someone who's certain their their house is haunted, or when you walk into a property, they're like, "There's something happening here." I've walked into a property. I remember this quite vividly. It was in West Galt. Oh, um, here we go. See, yeah. I told you this would be good shit. Yeah, it was in West Galt probably <laughs> 12 years ago. I think it was 2010. And so my clients had sold their home. They'd moved out towards uh, towards Woodstock. And so the the buyer was unable to make it down for their final walkthrough. So they where they get to to look at the house one more day before they take possession of the house. So I said to the buyer's agent, I said, I'll walk through the house for you. And keep in mind, they weren't able to make it down because of a snowstorm. It was January. It was 7 o'clock at night, dark as shit outside. <laughs> so here I am driving over to this property, dark. I couldn't see anything. And keep in mind, 2010, cell phones didn't have flashlights. So I'm trying to figure wh- where I am. I, I fumble open the lockbox. And then these older houses, it's not like they have lights like the newer homes. So you mm-hmm. got to figure out where exactly the lights are. And you're feeling it out. Again, no cell phone. So I'm trying to figure out where exactly the lights are. I fumble my way to the kitchen. I managed to flick on a couple of lights. Kitchen was the only room in the main floor that had lights. There was no lamps in the house, nothing. 
So I was like, yeah, I'm already getting a weird feeling here. It's dark, it's wet, it's cold outside, the floor's creaky as shit, and the house is dark as hell. So I, I'm not a big believer in the supernatural stuff. I believe kind of what I see. But then I'm walking through the house, and I was like, at the basement doors there, I'm like, should I go down there? I'm like, I don't believe in this shit, but I'm kind of tripping out a little bit here. I was like, hey, you know what? I'll just suck it up. Right? Stop being a bitch. Just go downstairs. And then, uh, so I went downstairs and I was like, I figured it out. Okay. I managed to find one of those rope, like uh, the rope uh, lights. I flicked it on. I was like, I hope this thing doesn't like, like, I hope I don't pull the rope off. And then anyway, I figured out how to look around the house. I was like, okay, fine. Took 10 seconds, looked around. It was fine. Went back upstairs. Then I started making my way up the stairs. Now, these staircases don't have lights. So here I am, like a fool, trying to figure out, trying to get upstairs. I was like, okay, just keep my head down, step by step, get to the top of the staircase, flick open the lights, and I start to walk through the, the bedrooms. Okay, this is good, this is good, this is good. Okay, I made it, I was done in like 10 seconds. I was like, I got to get out of here, I feel weird. Then I flicked the, the lights out behind me. I was about to make my way down the stairs, and all of a sudden... I felt something just walk right past me. Like, you know how that when you're in a Stop. when you're in a bar or a club and somebody walks past and hits your shoulder? I felt that. I felt like someone literally just walked past my shoulder and they went down the stairs. I was like, what the fuck was that? It was like <laughs> Oh my god. I was like, I was like, hey, you know what? I've got I I've I've got like five seconds to kind of sit on this and shit my pants, or I've got five seconds to just like pretend it didn't happen and just get out the house. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. I just kept my head down. I'm like, gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then I was like, I ended up locking up and I didn't really think about it until then. I, I was one of those people, okay, don't think about it, don't think about it. After a while, the mind will callous it over. And it did. So now I look back and you know what? I still shit my pants sometimes when I walk into these older homes. Yeah. Like that's just a personal phobia now at this point. But I have walked into houses where, you know, there has been, uh, you know, people passed away. But if people pass away naturally, it doesn't really scare me but there's the other ones it's like where you walk in and there's been like a suicide or something like that those are the okay. ones where I'm like, oh, oh yeah see and this is where i'm curious too is at what point do you have to go out of your way as a realtor uh, and even as a previous owner mm. to point that out to anyone looking at the home is that only for the next person in like hey just you know oh, grandma died upstairs but anyway uh, look around I, or it's uh it's a gray area i always really if it's going to impact somebody's enjoyment of the house if it's a stigma, if, if it's a stigma that's going to impact somebody's the next person's enjoyment, it should always always be disclosed, because there are many people, and there are a lot of people are, you know, they, they believe I don't want to buy a house in which something bad has happened, evil spirits and stuff like that, and of course they wouldn't pay a premium. The last thing they want to do is be moving in there and be unpacking, and the neighbors like, ah, I heard John died in there. You're like, what the. Right, right. Like right. They, they want to know yes. about this stuff ahead yeah, of time. Right? Like, so right. Like, they, they should definitely. <laughs> so I, I would always disclose. There's no question. Okay. But I've had some weird kind of feelings like that in houses. I've walked into a house and I've seen a frozen cat before. Oh, like literally okay. frozen against the door. Oh my God. Yeah. So like you walk into a house and then you know how like they got the patio door. In Did the you back? thaw it out? Is it okay? Well, no, I, it's, it's, it's too late. I think I missed it by a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it was yeah. done. I think but it was it's preserved. It was, it was, it's preserved. Uh, but I walked in and like I turned on the lights, walked through the house, and then there's like uh, the patio door in the back, and I see something black, kind of like an outline, like a cat. And I'm like, yeah, I, was, I wonder why. I probably got out. I got closer to it. And I see a black cat pinned against the friggin' patio door, <gasps> snow on top of it, frozen. Oh, oh my god, it was dead. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, um, I don't know if that cat's going to be haunting that house, but it's, that was definitely <laughs> a, a weird experience. Okay, on, on the note of haunting, so let's say yeah. I called Tony Joe Hall to sell my house tonight, 
And then I was like, but Tony, we got to get out. Our family's getting out just because this house is haunted. Do you tell that owner like, okay, why don't you just shush about the haunting because we need to sell this house? Is that basically what you would say? Uh, No. You know what? We would... It, it comes down to just having a moral code, like a bro code. Yeah, like, yeah. Come on, you gotta. I wouldn't want. I couldn't live with myself if I knew I put somebody in a house in which somebody's getting some weird experiences. I would. I would always tell the agent. I'm like, look, I don't know who your clients are. I don't know if they believe in this stuff, but my client definitely has certain feelings that there's something in this house. You may want to sage the place, do an exorcism or something. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's like you. You may want to do. Call something. the high priest. Call, exactly, but it's definitely going to impact somebody's value. There's no question. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay. Where are people moving to, by the way? Where is affordable now? A lot of people are moving east. Uh, you know, the eastern provinces. Uh, we've lost a lot of people in Ontario to mm-hmm. uh, the eastern provinces. Yep. Um, that seems to be the, 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 the place where people are moving now. You know, 10, 15 years ago, everybody's moving to Alberta. Seven, eight years later, they're moving back. But now that everybody's... Like uh, a lot of people here have connections out east, so they're they're moving back home. Mm-hmm. Are uh, people migrating at all north or towards southwestern Ontario, like Chatham, Sarnia, Windsor, London? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think uh, you know we we're definitely not unless somebody's going really far north. Like if they hit like Collingwood and Blue Mountain, the prices are very comparable. The Kitchener Waterloo, so they got to go really far north to kind of get a better deal. Uh, but we are definitely getting people moving west. Windsor, Chatham, stuff like that. Okay. There's no question. And Is we've it had cheaper? People, we've had, totally. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Further away from the from Toronto, the cheaper it gets. One more thing. Yeah. I think this will be one more thing. I don't know if you yeah, have much more, I'm, but... <laughs> I, I, I could keep him here all day with I know, these you stories. <laughs> I love them, but we won't keep you all day. You're a very busy um, guy. Are, are people buying vacation properties now? Cottages and things like that? Second homes? They, they are. Um, it's just not as frequent as what they were doing before. Mm-hmm. Um, before... You know, the the whole kind of aura about buying a cottage property was, okay, look, I can't go to Cuba. The government's not letting me out of the country. I got a vacation somewhere. So then all of a sudden the emphasis goes towards like the the beach towns. But now all of a sudden the market's cooled down. The airports are open. People can fly anywhere. Um, I'd say the, the novelty has sort of worn off a little bit. Okay, interesting. I saw a TikTok video about that specifically about cottages though. Yeah. And some of the people who bought up these these cottages around Muskoka's and things yeah. like that are realizing like, well, that's, it's pretty expensive now. I got to get out yeah. and they're going for the cheapest they've ever been. But that's that obviously the interest rates are, are very high. Absolutely. No and doubt. on that, I can tell you they have maintained the key interest rate good. where it was yeah. as fully expected. Wow. So we'll all rem- good. 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 Well, I, I wasn't sure if they were going to do something crazy. They're unpredictable. They're but, so unpredictable uh, and stupid. Yeah. I have never seen somebody with such a high position of authority yeah. who's so bad at his job yeah. in Tiff Macklem. This fucking guy lost money running a bank. I know. He lost money running a bank. Yeah. Hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's still got a job. I know. And he's bankrupting the entire middle class, and I don't understand why he's still in charge. It's horrible. You know what? What they've put people through over the past 18 months has been absolutely horrendous, and there's just no humanitarian uh, thought behind it whatsoever. Well, one of the things that I think has been crazy about the last year and a half is it was such a slow ramp up. Now yeah. people are pissed off, yeah. but people didn't actually get angry until it affected them. Totally. Right. I mean, I've had a variable rate mortgage that I took out in January, 2021, yeah. right at the height of when the interest rates started going up. Yeah. And so I've been dealing with rates that are hiking for a year and a half. Some people though, they didn't give a shit. 
until their renewal came up and they went from two to 5%. Mm -hmm. And now they're losing their mind. And I'm like, you should have been on this from the time they started raising interest rates. I think there's still some people who don't realize it too, Scott, because you you mentioned that there's people whose renewals are coming up, let's say January, February, when the rates are still going to be quite high, where it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks. So I feel like we're going to continuously see these, see people having to sell their homes or, or attempting to, or take on second jobs or any number of, of ways that people are trying to make extra money or just sell the places they have. Right. I think the one thing that's going to be guaranteed cat is this, we're going to get, we're going to have inventory coming up for the next number of years yeah. because as people's renewals come up, they have to sell. Um, so we're definitely going to have inventory coming up, but I do think there's going to come a point where it will settle. Are we going to see the sub twos again? I don't think so. But I think uh, 3 to 4% is fairly healthy for the economy. And that's a fair rate. I yep. mean, I think what they're doing now is gouging. I think it's crazy what they're doing. But, hey, we could go on all day about that. But mm-hmm. we won't take up much of your time. One thing I do want to say, though, is, number one, thank you for listening to this episode of After 9. And, Tony, thank you for coming in and all your time. We My took pleasure. up 45 minutes oh, of we, your time here. <laughs> and how can, how can people reach you? What's the best way to reach you? Because I know you're active just about everywhere. What's, like, yeah. the go-to that you tell Honestly, people? the best thing to do is just uh, check us out on Instagram. Okay. Tony Joel Real Estate Team. Yeah, you have some great tips on there too and I good videos. That. So there's Thank good you. content on there, guys. Follow Thank it. Thank you. One more time, TonyJoeHallRealEstate.com. Uh, Tony Joe Hall Real Estate Team. Tony Joe Hall Real Estate Team. You got yep. a big team and growing. We do. We do. Yeah. When, good when, people. When somebody says, I want to use Tony Joe Hall to list my house, yeah. do they actually get to meet you or is it just a member of your team? No, it's uh, nine times out of ten, it'll be me. Really? Yeah, yeah. The only time I don't go out is if I'm out of the country or sick or something. I know yeah. you're a humble person, so I'll say it. I think it's amazing that we talk about realtors not doing too good, blah, blah. But then you have teams like Tony Joholes who are constantly hiring new realtors and, and having to enlarge their team because they're that busy, which says a lot. They're turning houses over very, very fast. For sure. And uh, you have a few great members of your team there, you too. You know what? Awesome. Thankfully, they, they, they come and they stay. And yeah. you know, we've got some real, we've got people there that have been there for 10 years plus yeah. and people that and it's, it's growing. Amazing. It's just growing and growing. Absolutely. Great group of people. You're on more billboards than we are. Is it weird to drive <laughs> all around town and it's just you everywhere you go? No, you know what? I look at it from, at first it was weird. Um, but every time I drive by it, I don't get a weird feeling. I look at it from a marketing perspective. Like, okay, what can I make better? What can I do better? I see a wrinkle, you know, like things like <laughs> on, on the paper, on the paper. Uh, so I always try to look at it from a marketing perspective, but hearing my voice in the radio for the first time, oh my God, I still get a cringe when I hear my voice on the radio, like in, during the ads. Really? Totally. Do you? I do. Oh. No, they sound great. Thank we you. We like them. And the jingle is phenomenal. You guys do a great job of making it sound good. (laughs) We try. We try. (laughs) But I mean, hey, it's not hard to sell something or to promote something that's a good product. Yeah. I have no problem recommending anything that's good. And I've never had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, you told me to use Tony and and he sucked. Like nobody's ever said that. They only ever reach out and say thank you for recommending Tony because- I mean, you guys do it all. You've got a, your own home stager, you know, like sure. when they work with you, everything is done. I mean, yeah. you've got expert advice. You've got people that can help with mortgages. You've got people that can help with staging. It's just done. And it, Absolutely. I think people like that you make it so convenient. We do. And I think it's, they're already going through a stressful time. Selling a house is stressful. So we do try to take uh, the majority of the, the heavy work away from them. Yeah. Yep. And you do that. Thank it's great. You. I appreciate that. Tony, Thanks. thank you for coming in. Thank you guys for having me. Have a great day, guys. We will see you tomorrow with a... Look at that, cat. We talked about the entire pod on real estate. You, we usually do anyway, so it's good to actually have someone who knows what they're talking about. <laughs> As opposed to the usual bullshit that you hear, thank you for listening to an expert opinion 
on the Scott and Cat After 9 podcast. Bye, friends.